goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Echo Radio KC. My name is Jackie Bean. For today's show, stay tuned to hear host Richard Mabin speak with Richard Dukowski about their endeavors to direct our interest in directions of job skilled at making our lifestyles safe and comfortable so that we can thrive. We at Eco Radio KC are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to assure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present for our sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. But first, here's some environmental news for the week of December 5th. Democracy Now! reports. President Biden announced new investments for indigenous communities, including $135 million to help 11 tribal communities severely impacted by climate. Three of those communities are planning on relocating altogether. Biden also vowed to protect Spirit Mountain in Nevada, a sacred site for the Fort Mojave tribe and others. Advocates have been pushing for years to designate the area as a national monument. In Pennsylvania, fracking company Coterra Energy has agreed to pay $16.2 million after pleading no contest for polluting water. In Puerto Rico, 16 municipalities have filed a lawsuit against Chevron, ExxonMobil, Shell and other corporations accusing them of contributing to the climate crisis by pushing a multi-billion dollar fraudulent marketing scheme that downplayed the catastrophic impacts of fossil fuels. The Biden administration has eased some sanctions on Venezuela and has given Chevron approval to resume pumping oil in Venezuela. In Sweden, Greta Thunberg joined over 600 other climate activists to sue their government over its failure to respond to the climate catastrophe. A report released last week finds Europe's record-breaking summer heat wave may have caused some 20,000 deaths. Earth Justice reports. The Biden administration has released the draft U.S. Bureau of Land Management methane gas waste rule. The proposal falls short of eliminating routine venting and flaring of associated gas by 2030, a practice which wastes domestic energy resources and harms the health of surrounding communities and ecosystems. The proposed rule would charge royalties on certain flared gas, but would not require flared gas to be captured and used. Inside Climate News Reports. Petition circulators are telling California voters that a ballot measure would ban new oil and gas wells near homes. In fact, it would do the opposite. The canvassers are backed by the oil industry to stop a new law that bans wells near residential areas and imposes new environmental controls. 
federal officials are considering a request from environmental, public health, and public housing activists asking that they remove gas stoves from properties that are supported by the Department of Housing and Urban Development. They cite concerns about climate change and adverse health effects that have been linked to exhaust from the stoves which have been found to emit carbon monoxide and other harmful pollutants in the air, even when not in use. EcoWatch reports, the Biden administration has opened up applications for public schools to access 80 million in grants for funding energy improvements. The Renew America's school grant program will service high need K-12 school districts. Billions worth of valuable metals such as gold, silver and copper were dumped or burned last year as electronic waste produced globally jumped to a record 53.6 million tons per person. Discarded products with a battery or plug can be recycled. The environmental toxins known as PFAS have been found in products geared towards vulnerable pets and babies. New independent testing commissioned by the Environmental Working Group found the substances are found in popular brands of pet food and textiles marketed to children and babies. Now our show. Good evening. This is Richard Mabian, and uh, welcome to Eco Radio. Boy, if you knew what we've been going through the last 15 minutes to get this thing set up it, it would just amaze you know but we pulled it off we got it done we're sitting here i'm looking at my guest i have one guest on the night and that's rich hello rich hey richard good to be back again thanks for having me yeah tell them where you're from and everything man yeah uh rich gutowski i'm uh my office is out of patterson new jersey um and uh I guess I'm a social entrepreneur. What are we, Richard? A yeah, I don't know. Social entrepreneur? Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to do something that um, uh, is bringing the environmental world together from the bottom up. Uh, the, the people at the top have created circumstances for the energy efficiency, for, for climate change, to reduce the uh, greenhouse gas uh, uh, carbon footprint to, 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 to zero by 2050. That's the um, um, objective. That's the plan. That's the goal. And somehow in the process of them doing that, somehow they forgot that in order for that to happen, it's going to have to be inclusive of uh, the entire population. And that's not saying, I like to say this, that every person is going to be doing it. But we need to have every segment of society involved in reducing greenhouse gas. That's what the issue is. And and and. and Instead of sitting back expecting the people at the top to have some kind of miracle dream one night and say, ah, this is what I need to do, we, Rick, Rich and I, and others like us, but I'm just talking about the two of us, have joined our forces together to figure out ways that we can add some input 
into the national conversation. Does that make sense, Rich? Rich? Yeah, you know, you say it that way. I, I'm a practitioner, so I just get to, well, what do I got to do? Yeah. How does this work, you know? So, right. so, yes, in the big picture as an academic, you know, you're more an academic than me. I'm really I'll check you out. a practitioner, check you out. dude. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, anyhow, that is what has brought him and I together. You know, I have two or three people who I'm developing. I have developed what I consider to be ongoing relationships to and from time to time i like to bring them back on the air just so we can they, they can, he and i she and i can have a conversation where you are as listeners can hear it because we think that that's one of the areas that's being missed in our low-income communities is a chance for people to actually hear the kind of conversation that is going on around this country. Uh, so that's what he's here for. That's what. That's why he's here. That's why I'm here tonight. We had a guest that we wanted to have on. First of all, let's back up. I, as you know, got selected in September to represent the nation on the NEJAC group. That's the National Environmental Justice Advisory Council. I have been selected to work with, I think, a total of about 29 other individuals who've been there up to six years. That's the time limit for each person that comes in. And our responsibility, which was established by law through government, is to engage in advising the decision makers, in this particular case at EPA, over what they have set as their agenda items. Advise them with what we see as being possible solutions in the areas that we represent. The only other person that we've had that I know of since I've been involved in this environmental world uh, since 2006 was Margaret May from, from over in the Ivanhoe neighborhood. Margaret May was a was on this NEJAC committee when I was just getting started. And she even raised, rose up to be president of, that, uh, of the NEJAC committee. And we had um, uh, Althea Moses, who unfortunately passed last year, an ex uh, uh, which was a tremendous loss for, for, for Region 7. And she was very instrumental in leading uh, um, Margaret May in her role as, as as the chairman of this committee. And while she was doing that, she was also very instrumental in leading me to become the monster that I have become. So <laughs> that's what I, that's, yeah, that's where, where I was this past week. And the first thing that I, I, I met, first person I met was a the knee jack member from st louis i mean god i was so excited to meet her and of course she and i bonded and what rick and i are talking about doing she herself has started doing in st louis so that's the practitioner rick is talking about then so i contacted her and i got in touch with rick and we scheduled this show tonight we were going to have her on here 
so her and Rick could meet each other and talk about that practitioner aspects that he brought to the table. But unfortunately, she has a job. She's a doctor. She deals with mental health issues. And there are certain nights that she has to work. And we found out that she had to work tonight. But we already got her scheduled for the next time she's going to be off. She had a couple of more dates in, in December. But our December calendar was booked. So we got her coming in in January. And that I'm going to really look forward to that session. Hey, hey Richard, yes. you know, I'm not sure if our audience knows what Jack is. What is Jack? I just got through explaining it's an advisory group. You must have been doing your practitioner stuff and didn't hear me explaining that. And I'm not for sure about the year. I'll get that for you when uh, uh, I come back on again. I'll make sure I have the year. But it, the, the letter that I received said, Dear Mr. Mavian, I'm pleased to in, invite you to serve as a member of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency National Environmental Justice Advisory Council. Initially, you start out for one year, and that's, so that gives them a chance to get rid of you if you're a pain in the side. And it has a way that it could last for six years. As a representative member, you would represent community-based organizations. Like it or not, my community-based organization, you got me in Region 7. And those of you who know me, you know how I'm going to be reacting. You know how I'm going to be addressing. For one, I am a firm believer the killing that's going on in our neighborhoods and our communities, the antisocial behavior that's going on in our command and our communities, the illnesses, the mental health is a direct result of a lack of employment skills and opportunity. So I am pushing, just came back from DC. Friday was up there all last week, pushing job training and workforce development. That's why Rick is on the phone. Let's, that, that, I want to I want to get that up to up to par as par so you'll understand what we're sitting here doing. I am doing everything I can. To make Ever commercial, Richard. Is that, are we seeing that? Excuse me, I'm glad, Rick. Thank you. All right, y'all, you see how hot to try them on this. We'll be back and I'll pick it up from there. This is Richard Maybe, and I'm in KKFI. See you in a second. Support for KKFI by the Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College. The Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College, formerly the Carlson Center, has been a venue for the performing arts and arts education since 1990 and, in support of KKFI, offers a full list of events and can accept donations at jccc.edu forward slash Midwest Trust Center. Here is the calendar of events for the week of 12-5-22. All week, check mdc.mo.gov for events. Tuesday, December 6, 2 p.m., 
the MARC Solid Waste Management District will be hosting a presentation on illegal dumping. Scrap tires are among the most common illegally dumped items. The workshop will be hosted over Zoom. If you would like to attend the session, contact Mid-America Regional Council. Wednesday, December 7th, noon. Accessible Gardening for All, a webinar hosted by Kansas State, is advice about physical challenges to gardening. Discover tips and tricks to make your gardening experience adaptable. To register, visit K-State Garden Hour. Thursday, December 8th, 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. Environmental Justice Movement in the Midwest. Join Clean Air Now for a virtual presentation and discussion. Thursday, December 8th, 8.30 till 11 a.m. Resilient Success Stories has you meet 20 environmental heroes as they are honored at an event hosted by Mid-America Regional Council and Climate Action KC. This event will be held at Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation, 4801 Rock Hill Road, Kansas City, Missouri. The featured success stories come from throughout the Kansas City region and transforming the community in ways that create greater levels of sustainability. To register, go to Mark. Saturday, December 10th, 9 a.m., Self-Sufficiency Saturday, Douglas County Fairgrounds, 2110 Harper, Lawrence, Kansas. Garden planning and seed starting with Keith Arkenberg and Sharon Ashworth. Discover the rewarding journey of self-sufficiency from Mother Earth News. Register at MotherEarthNewsFair.com. Saturday, December 10th, 1 p.m., you can deck your halls with boughs of native trees and plants by learning how to make festive native swags and wreaths at Discover Nature. The free workshop will be held at Anita B. Gorman Conservation Discovery Center, 4750 Troost, Kansas City, Missouri. Participants will use native evergreens, prairie grasses, wild nuts, berries, seed pods, and game bird feathers to create festive door decor. Register at Missouri Department of Conservation. On Saturday, December 10th, 9 p.m. to 12 p.m., Heartland Conservation Alliance will be leading a group of volunteers in removing invasive bush honeysuckle at the Heartland Overlook Preserve. The Heartland Overlook Preserve is located at 9106 Chestnut Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. Parking is available on the property. To register, visit heartlandconservationalliance.org. My name is Phil Bauer. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. All right, this is Richard Maybe Indiana back on, and y'all just roll with us on this. So I'm dealing from a uh, impromptu kind of mode. Rick, I've kind of explained a little bit. I'm far from people, I'm, uh, the audience. I'm far from being thorough. I mean, complete in what I need to explain. But I've explained a little bit about me and the environmental part and what I'm doing as far as reaching out or being selected to represent the region uh, uh, on a national basis with environmental protection agency out of dc rick is 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 a part of my world because of his 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 business knowledge and the creation of 
of, of employment opportunities in low-income communities. So, Rick, you want to tell them about the kinds of stuff you've done in Patterson? If they're still listening to us, Richard. Oh, they, they ain't going anywhere, man. <laughs> hey, listen, I want to take all this. I want to take all this high-level stuff. You know, when you're hungry and you got to put gas in the car and you got to keep your electric electricity on, nobody's thinking about carbon anything. They aren't thinking about green anything. But if we're going to really meet any of those long-term UN 2030 goals, we need to get base of the pyramid people, right? Because they represent the vast majority of the population. Well, you aren't going to reach anybody with advertising. There's only one way to reach that base of the pyramid community, and that's to create jobs. But I want to get over this idea that in order for it to be a green job, it has to be weatherization. No. When you bring manufacturing back, and it's coming back, folks, I mean, the supply chains are bad. When manufacturing comes back and it's within walking distance of your house, that's a green job. When you come back and you get when, when you when you get a job working in a construction company that's building energy efficient housing, that's a green job. When you get a job distributing a product that reduces energy consumption, that's a green job. So don't get hung up on this idea that, oh, you're going to have to be out on the farm with a hoe and a rake, you know, growing your own food. No, we're turning all these into green jobs. Because in order to meet those goals, we have to get back to something we haven't seen in this country in a long time. That means within an hour, an hour and a half of where we live today, we're going to have to make everything we need to live, food, clothes, furniture, whatever it is. And you know what's going to happen, folks? I hate to tell you this. It's going to be more expensive and you're going to buy less of it. But you know what? In this world, in this model, you're going to own the companies that make it. And you're going to own the stuff. So you're going to own more. You're going to consume less stuff. And you're going to be a lot happier. But I hate to tell you, I think there's going to be some powerful people that are mad at us. So I'm going to put, Richard's going to have to get himself a bulletproof vest if he keeps going on the radio and talking about it. <laughs> I mean, that sense? yeah, you're a dangerous guy. That was the conversation that he and I had when we first were introduced to each other. And him being who he is with a couple extra dollars in his pocket flew me up to Patterson and had me spend the day meeting these people he who have created these businesses he's talking about. A multicultural group of folks. And I'm telling you. It was a mind-blowing experience. Well, what you call it, proof of concept, sitting there watching these people that are building economically in their own communities with each other. And they're doing some great things. I mean, one, it, it, it was dealing with with, with 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 these football games that our that our youngsters are out here playing in high school and going to school and got it set up that they're receiving a, a, a money to go to college, but the football program itself is designed for them to travel around the East Coast, New York, New Jersey, Washington D.C., different cities playing teams out of those cities creating enthusiasm and competition 
And I never forget them talking about when the fellas are riding on the bus and they're seeing these different things in these different cities that that effect that it has on them mentally. The picture that's being painted. It reminded me of Booker T. Washington's thing about creating a a sense of achievement in in, in recently freed slaves when they first started coming to Tuskegee. It's in his uh, uh, autobiography book, uh, Up From Slavery. I think that's the name of it. If you want to see it, just read it. And what I'm saying, you'll see it's in there. Where he taught them, he he made them sleep on bunks and, and, and sleeping bags in a tent till they built their own dorm. And he made them do the same thing likewise about their classrooms in tents until they were able to build their own classroom. And he said he knew he had achieved what he was after when he saw a senior student eventually, when he saw a class finally become seniors and they're getting ready to graduate. And he saw some freshman students coming in and a freshman kid was going to take a pencil and draw on the wall. And he said he heard that senior student yell out, ah, don't draw on them walls. Those are our walls. Then he knew he had achieved that kind of mentality. And that's what I saw happening when I went to Patterson. That's what I saw happen when I saw with these people, black and white, just like Rick and I sitting here at around our age. I'm probably the elder in the group. I always am. But still able to be able to create that kind of reaction with them youngsters. And it wasn't coming out of something like the schools. It wasn't coming out of the churches. I mean, even though those places are valued, this was coming from the community. And the people that he had working with him would send it that way. So that got our ball rolling. You know it got my juices going. And then, but his, our, our ability to be together came from two sides. His, from a capitalistic, he hates me saying that, side as far as being able to create things that will create an income, will make money. And mine for him and his folks in Patterson is the environmental world. How to be able to do the things that I've been doing that's designed to teach you a climate change consciousness. Not like he said that you have to all of a sudden be out in your backyard, even though I do have raised bed gardens for people to see and learn from. There is a place for all that. That's what we started working on. And that's what we're doing tonight is going to watch our time, uh, uh, Rick and, and, and Terry, because I'm, 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 I got so many things going on once I can't see it all. Because we, our third section is going, where are we going over here? We're going to talk about what we have created. What we have created to deal with what he was talking about is that he, we put together some talking points, basically him. I just throw little stuff in there just so I can say I had something to do with it. And that's what we're presenting as a possibility to other businessmen because we want, we need investments. We can't keep depending on the government to make this work. Going back to what we're doing with this, Jay, if you haven't looked at Justice 40, look it up and see what it is. A Bush, I mean, a, a, a Biden administration made sure to include a clause into this infrastructure money that they put together that's designed to have 
40% of it's going to deal with the low-income population. So the money's out there, y'all. Now go out there and bring in some program to show me what you're going to do with it. Well, the uh, the, the program, the, 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 the areas that they picked for this money to be used in was seven different areas. One, climate change. Two, clean energy and energy efficiency. Three, transportation, clean transportation, for affordable, sustainable housing, five, training and workforce development, six, remediation and, redu and reduction of legacy pollutions, and seven, critical clean water and waste infrastructure. Needless to say, got you, Terry. Thanks, man. Needless to say, everybody jumped on six, six of those seven areas. And the one area that was being overlooked as serious as it should be, you got it, training and workforce development. So much so. When I went into Washington, went up to the, the, the environmental knee jack meeting, they wasn't even planning on doing anything with J40, per se, from a job training and workforce development level. Yes, on water problems. Yes, on energy efficiency. Yes, on all the other areas that I named out. But job training, which is the most needed thing in the low-income community, I don't care if you're Black, Latino, Native American, or white, is we need, and others, so I don't want you to think I'm leaving you out, to create some type of skill training to get involved in the infrastructure world also, for instance, and Rick, you know, I say this, every house and building in America needs to be retrofitted. What is retrofitted? That's a big word. And then we, and just me and Rick keep coming on here with different people. We'll have someone on here that will explain to you. But basically, it's going in and shoring up your house so that the dadgum utility is not killing you. Like in Wyandotte County, average utility bill being $550 a month. What would it That's go down killing. to with retrofitting? The retrofitting has to do with coming in and doing what's necessary to get rid of the issues. I don't right, care. But what would the bill? Would the bill go from five? Oh, I could go down to they, retrofitting. They can get it down to a hundred dollars, hundred and ten dollars a month. That's forty eight hundred dollars a year in energy. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's what's important. Okay. Now we, our time is running. When we come back on for our final session, we're going to talk about the here and now. I got the PowerPoint thing I put together. I will read one. Rick will tell you what it means. All right? All right, gang. This is what this program was supposed to be about. I'm enjoying talking to you. This is KKFI 90.1 FM. 
Picture yourself recreating in some wholesome, unique way, or perhaps doing something useful in the company of polite strangers. There's music in the background, old stuff, new stuff, rock, folk, R&B, established acts mixed with those deserving of more attention. You smile. You've found the Wednesday morning buzz, 6 to 8 a.m., or anytime at your convenience at archive.kkfi.org. Side effects may include occasional giggling, quiet contemplation, periods of lowered anxiety, foot tapping, or the twinkling of an eye. No need to ask a doctor concerning these feelings. Just tune in to the Wednesday Morning Buzz. Are you a night owl? Do you have a passion for music? Maybe you even have an extensive or eclectic music collection that you'd like to share over the airwaves. Well, KKFI is looking for new volunteers to train and apply to be overnight music DJs. We're specifically looking for volunteers to cover overnight time slots between 1 and 5 a.m. If you're interested, you can apply now to become a new volunteer at KKFI. There will be an extensive training process involved that may take a few months, after which you would then need to apply for your own show through our new program application process. You can find the volunteer application on our website at kkfi.org under the Volunteer tab. Thanks for listening to KKFI. Be sure to like and follow your community radio station on social media at KKFI 901 FM. And thanks for 30 years of support. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. From blowing our noses to using the bathroom... We rely on tissue products for many aspects of our daily lives. A lot of the fiber that ends up in our tissue products, facial tissue, toilet paper, paper towels, comes from the Canadian boreal forest. This is a forest that is absolutely critical to avoiding catastrophic climate change. Jennifer Skeen is with the Natural Resources Defense Council. She was part of a team that graded tissue products on their environmental impact. Skeen says that to help protect forests and the carbon that they store, any tissue products made from trees should come from forests that are certified as sustainably managed. Products made from other sources, such as bamboo, which regrows quickly, can be an even better option. The products that scored the best are the brands that are made from 100% post-consumer recycled material. Better options are increasingly available in stores. But Skeen says to meaningfully reduce the impact this industry has on the climate, large tissue manufacturers need to fully embrace them. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Okay, this is Richard back again. This is our final session, and as promised, I'm going to start out. We call it our EPA bullet talking points. Okay, and the, and the first one is kind of an explanation. 2030 to 2050, environmental goals cannot be realistically cannot realistically be met in a world where extractive global supply chains plan fast fashions, factory farming, pharmaceutical-based healthcare are not only tolerated, but rewarded. Okay, that sets the stage. 
That's one of the reasons he talks about the bulletproof vest. I wish he'd find something else. Put on some water balloons or something. <laughs> about you can have a lot of enemies. Really. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> then the second one is to reparate, reparating the decentralizing manufacturing is quickly becoming a national defense priority. In other words, trying to figure out how to bring that manufacturing back home is a major concern. Aging infrastructure must be replaced and upgraded. Global food supply chains are vulnerable due to geopolitical conflict and an unforeseen number of accidents to key food processing and transportation facility. Rick, why don't you say a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't know if people are paying attention, but for whatever reason, this year, in a, in a typical year, you'd have six accidents it, to, to food processing plants. This year, there were 63. Mm. So everybody's looking at this saying, hey, wait a minute. We are really dependent on those food processing plants that aren't anywhere near where we live. So maybe... We need to plan ahead and start creating our own food processing, as I said, within an hour, hour and a half of where we live. I mean, that's arbitrary. I don't know what local means. Every community is different. But um, it's it's sort of putting a spotlight on these ideas we've been talking about for years. And all of a sudden this year, for whatever reason, um, it's it's really affecting our food supply. You know, so we've got to, we've got to start growing stuff locally again and we've got to start processing it locally. You okay. Know? So, All right. Okay. Now this was a big one for me in in my meeting up there. I, we were in Alexandria, Virginia, but that's connected to D.C., so you might as well say D.C. because that's what it was. Confidence, and boy, when I said this, the whole room went quiet on me. Confidence in all branches of government is at an all-time low. If anyone's sitting out there. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, or you just don't, whatever, cannot be pleased with what we see going on down there in Atlanta. That is pathetic. Okay? We're talking about a major elected position. And the rap, the the, 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 the arguments and the fight that's going on, personal, you're not going to get over. In other words, it's drawing that, another one of them divisive land, line, lanes in the sand, lines in the sand. It's affecting how people think. It's affecting how people live. All the way to your Teenage population. That's, that's that's heavy drama. So you know they we need. I let them know that's something that we see as a major issue back at home in our in our uh, uh, low income communities in our urban areas. Hey, Richard, can I say something about that? Sure, sure. So I I'm, I'm not going to use the guy's name, but he's tied to one of the senators that's in charge of appropriations, which is the big powerful government uh, committee that gives out the money. And I was having a private conversation with him and he said, Rich, I'll be honest with you. 
Uh, Washington, D.C. has no answers for our local communities. You have to come up, your local communities have to come up with their own solutions. And I said, you know what? That's great, Mr. So-and-so, except here's the problem. Yes, the solutions are in our local communities. The people who have suffered most from the system are going to come up with the solutions. Thank you, David Corden, for that. But the problem is, if you're working two jobs to make ends meet, who's got time to deal with the bigger issues? And they don't. So the number one step of bringing these jobs into the community is they've got to pay enough to give people spare time and spare money so that they can engage in, in finding local solutions to these problems, right? So, but we can, we can, we're gonna be creative about the way that we do that. And um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go one more point. I'm gonna go back to the last segment that you, that you talked about. And one of the ways we're gonna find that money is, you know, I'm, you're a bridge between communities and I'm a bridge between communities, right? Because I moved my office into the inner city. I was a poor white kid raised by, you know, black professionals and black business owners. So I've got a unique perspective. So everybody sends me all this stuff. And there's a lot of funny videos out there. I sent you one the other day. That girl was dead on with with those cities that got sunk. But here's what we can capitalize. She catches your emotion. This is unjust. But for my white friends who have money and want to do something, they send it to me and they're like, Rich, but what do I do? And right now there is nothing for them to do. And they've got lots of money sitting on the sidelines waiting for a solution that works. So they're they're embracing what Richard and I are doing because they're realizing, hey, we have a way to identify social capital, relational capital, and empower a local community to find those solutions. So when we create that, you're going to see a lot of private money come into the city the right way, without strings attached, um, giving people local agency and local authority. So so the key is there's a lot of desire out there to, to do something. But guys, show me something that works. That's it. You know, I don't want to just keep throwing money down the drain. And and since you out there who know me, who have listened to me on the air, you got to just believe me when I tell you I have personally been 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 been, been, been confronted with those individuals he's talking about with just what he was saying. You know, if he had something going, Richard, I got $100,000 right now I would give you to be able to create these retrofitting programs. We can use it as seed money. We can find some some way of being able to say, if we go come, Rick's got an idea, we'll talk about it on our next show, of how that money could be used to complete and show it could be done with the expectations of when we get it done, that we could have tenfold that amount of money from the government whoever to be able to create that program work and stand alone if we're going to have sustainability we got to be able to get these programs to not only exist and hire people but also create an income to continue existing going on with my list the uh the great resignation is coming it's continuing richard hold on a second I yeah. just want to reiterate. I don't mean to interrupt you. That's all right. This That's, is, you jump this in is a list of talking points that you went to Washington, D.C., and you said to the leadership of the EPA. Yeah. And when you guys all read this list, think about it. You would think they would be riding him out of town on a rail. 
<laughs> but they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep talking. Okay. Ownership of productive and real estate is concentrated in the hands of a very small number of individuals and institutions, which has the net effect of extracting human energy and talent and real resources out of the local community and restricting their flow and circulation freely across sectors of regional economic systematic poverty, systemizing poverty. A debt-based flat currency central banking system on the verge of collapse. Look at what happened with that funny money. What they call that stuff? FTX. And, oh, and he had billions of dollars in just a Hey, listen, the central bank is broke, guys. The Federal Reserve, it's broke. They don't have any more money. Unbelievable. There is an oversupply of private social impact investment capital and a shortage of meaningful place to deploy it. I'm going to hit this section, then we're going to talk about it. Let me see if I get it right. Five minutes, Richard. Okay. Basically, and that's okay on this time around, because I wanted to lay the foundation of what we are dealing with. I will put it to you like this when this five minutes I got. When I started talking about this, no one in the Nijak group had a word to say or had any idea truth they, is disruptive how they could engage in this job training mm. it's more than that richard job training is part of it but it's returning ownership to the people yeah, who live yeah, in the community yeah, that's, a, that's a secondary step they're not yeah. even there yet but somehow and i'm for I, I, for you god-fearing people out there like me i say god excuse me don't take it offensively found a way to reach them. And the executive director of EPA created a slot, a work group. Give us three months to design it and make a presentation in March of how we can make this work. Rick screamed on the phone today when he heard and saw that. <laughs> so what we have to be able to do is to pull in our horses, the people we've been meeting with, and we need to take this package, this program, and define each individual section up to a point. Nobody's saying it has to be completed by March, but to the point that it makes sense of why this can be done. I'm sitting in the room going, I'm not asking for your money, even though that would be good. Rick hates me saying that. I'm asking for your support. Your support. We got. We only got three minutes left. But wait, Richard, as a witness to what you're saying. So, Richard, you have a very unique style and a very unique syntax, but your heart comes through. So they didn't just push Richard under the rug and give him off to this committee of nobodies. Guess who's on his committee? That Like the head of the EPA and the executive director, the two biggest guys that everybody wants. It's right. right now, it's just the three of them. That's and they're right. going to come out and see Richard. So look, something's going on, man. Something's the going on. Is turning. 
That, and, and, and I'm telling you that we're going to be in a position because you all know, you all of you listening, you know me. If you don't talk to somebody who's listening, they'll tell you, this is the way I've been living my life. I'm broke as hell. Excuse me. Rich in relationship. But it's coming. You understand? Because I need the folks that I represent in the low-income community to know there is never too late. It's never too late. Put your faith in what you're trying to accomplish and don't give up. We got people 21 years old talking about, well, their life is done. They didn't graduate high school. They might as well give it up. That's BS. We don't care. That's BS. It's the lack of opportunities. And yeah. that is what we're bringing back into the world. That is what you'll continuously hear. Y'all will be waiting on us to come back on. You'll be calling the station going, when are they going to be back on there again? <laughs> if you need to get in touch with me, especially because I'm here local, contact the station, contact Eco Radio, type in there and leave a message, leave your name, leave a number, and I'll get back in touch with you. This has been the kind of program we wanted to bring you. We want you to hear what we're talking about doing. And each time we come on, we're going to have the next phase. Right now, I got my foot in the door in D.C. Be hopeful. Yes, sir. So we have to now create this program as far as how we go about doing it. And uh, it's in broken down into three sections, and that'll be the next show. We'll talk about that. Love you all, Rick. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, Brad. We love you, Richard. What we, yeah, what we're doing is making multicultural a, a, a phenom, a, a, the new normal, okay? The new <laughs> normal, brother. All right, gang. Thank you, and uh, hang in there and come back and see us. Merry Get Christmas. ready for Christmas out there, buddy. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. Thanks. Take care. Yes. Four dams are coming down. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Some are calling the agreement historic, but others are deeply disappointed. On Friday, November 18th, as the COP27 climate conference in Egypt was set to end, it looked like there would be no consensus. But two days later, after intense negotiating, an agreement was reached. For the first time ever, delegates pledged to set up a fund to help vulnerable nations deal with the loss and damage from climate change. For decades, island countries and others like Bangladesh have demanded compensation from those those most responsible for global warming. But there was no progress on goals to rapidly limit greenhouse gas emissions amidst much disagreement on the details. The final document only repeats last year's promise to phase down the use of unabated coal, coal from which CO2 emissions have not been mitigated or captured. The phase-out of all fossil fuels was resisted by China and Saudi Arabia, as well as African nations that see opportunities in developing oil and gas. Parts of the COP27 document are weaker than previous agreements. For example, a section on the energy sector that in the past said renewables should be increased now only talks about low-emission energy, which could allow the continued
continuing use of natural gas. About 150 countries agreed to the Global Methane Pledge, an initiative to cut emissions of the powerful greenhouse gas. The measure targets leaks as well as flaming and venting from gas operations. It will be the largest dam removal and river restoration project in the world, and it could begin in just a few months. The federal government has approved demolishing four hydroelectric dams on the Klamath River along California's border with Oregon that will result in its free flow for the first time in more than a century. It's a major victory for Native American tribes in Northern California, and also for environmental and fishing groups. Not to mention salmon and steelhead, whose numbers. Have dwindled. The river and its bounty have been tied to the tribe's economic, spiritual, and cultural lives for centuries. The decision by the federal government to decommission the dams was based upon its estimate that the structures would lose millions of dollars per year if they were kept in operation. The dams don't supply irrigation water, but Do provide electricity to 70,000 people. Opening up the river and its tributaries will provide more than 300 miles of habitat for salmon and allow the Klamath, California's second-largest river, to flow naturally, restoring floodplains and wetlands that will mitigate the effects of drought. The demolition of the four dams comes after much opposition from Republican lawmakers, among others. Some say removing the dams won't save the salmon, and others worry rural counties will have. Have to pay increased rates for power. If you live in Atlanta, Georgia, Orange County, California, or Aurora, Colorado, some of your drinking water is potable reuse, meaning it's purified wastewater. But before you wince, according to a new study from Stanford, it could be cleaner than conventionally treated water. The researchers say that's because regulators demand more from potable reuse treatment plants to remove harmful pathogens. So operators employ reverse osmosis, biofilter. Filtration and other methods to flush out contaminants, and the scientists say that makes potable reuse less toxic than some water supplies sourced from rivers, which can contain wastewater from an upstream treatment plant that doesn't clean to the level of recycled water and might contain chemicals from shampoos to medicines. Also, the EPA regulates a slew of chemicals in drinking water, but some dangerous compounds might not yet be known. And therefore, not removed. As climate change reduces snowpack, potable reuse is being seen as more reliable and a supply that utilities already possess. That means more water can stay in ecosystems, and less wastewater, along with its contaminants, will be discharged into rivers. And finally, e-waste is a growing problem with some 50 million metric tons of discarded electronic devices getting chucked into landfills every year, where they leach toxic chemicals into soils and water instead of being recycled into new products. But what if electronics were developed with their complete life cycle in mind, so that when they outlive their usefulness, they biodegrade? That's the idea behind Mycelotronics, a material made from mushrooms that can be used to make computer chips. Researchers in Austria were studying a mushroom that grows on dead hardwood trees for its potential use in insulation. 
they discovered that its root-like structure called mycelium had a protective skin to ward off pathogens and bacteria. They found that when they peeled and dried the skin, it could withstand high temperatures and was extremely flexible, not breaking even after being bent 2,000 times. That made the mycelium skin an ideal material for the base of the computer chips, rather than the unrecycled plastic that's currently used. Better still, the mycelium skin stays durable so long as it's kept dry and away from light, but if composted, it degrades in just a few weeks. While the research is still in its early stages, it looks like the idea of using mycelium to make greener electronics could mushroom. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ooh.